0: It's episode 110, and today we're talking about fake it and break it on the Irish Photography Podcast. Let's go. I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography
1: Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Dermot and Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast,
0: Let's go. And you're very welcome to episode 110 of the Irish Photography Podcast. I'm Darren, I'm your host this evening. I'm joined, as ever, by Mr. Dermot O'Donovan up in Limerick. Dermot, what's the crack, Jack?
1: The crack is absolutely mighty. Absolute great day, Darren. Absolutely
0: amazing day. I couldn't be happier. Actually, yeah, before we start, man, come here, did you just put up workshops on Facebook and within an hour they were yeah. sold out that you're that's why I'm so happy <laughs> yeah exactly. wow man wow yeah. that's incredible dude
1: I couldn't be happier genuinely I I was to be honest I was a bit fearful about putting it out but you know I was like do you know what? I've been working on this for the last two years I was supposed to do it last year but I couldn't get the time and then this year the whole COVID thing happened and I said going oh man is this going to be put off for another year like yeah, But no, I said, you know, we're still going to go ahead. We're going to limit it to four people. And uh, yeah, within an hour, it was sold out. So I'm absolutely stoked. Wow. I'm really excited. Wow. I can't wait for the workshop.
0: Yeah, man, that's unbelievable. Fair play. Like I'd say, you know what? It would be a fantastic workshop too, because where you are bringing people is absolutely beautiful. So, you know, yes. bad weather or not, like I keep telling you, it's no such thing as bad weather, bad conditions. You'll always get a shot. Very true very true
1: and like I, it wasn't just me that sold the workshop I think the place sold it for me as well if I'm being honest you know it's a beautiful location oh ah, yeah but
0: it's beautiful coastline man yeah. I mean I, I love the coast as you know like but I mean you know yeah, Cliffs of Moher whole Doolan area that's just rugged as rugged comes
1: you can't you just can't beat the wide Atlantic way and speaking of the wide Atlantic way congratulations on your mizzen head video that seems to be getting fantastic traction
0: Oh, yeah. Cheers, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. It's a uh, the drone footage, dude. You know, I mean, we, we knew it was nice when we were there. But when mm. it came together afterwards, and they put it into the video. I went, oh, yeah, man, look at this. This yeah. is just stunning. Like, and actually to be honest with you. Part of me was looking at when I was editing and going, Jesus, did I actually film this? I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you no, know, It's the coastline that looks so nice, to be honest, you know, I mean, I was just it so happened to have a camera right in the position and it wasn't yeah, even nice know. light. You know, so I think if we get nice light and something like that, it's gonna be incredible. But yeah, thanks a million. I really, really enjoyed sending the drone off the coast. I kinda of got bitten yeah. by the bug in Tree Castle, but Missing Head, I think, yeah. was the York Yeah, it was. Yeah, but like
1: like yeah, like your your YouTube thing is really going really nicely, fair play to you. But then like you said, like you, you posted up on the Facebook and like within fucking a few hours you had fucking what, seven thousand views? And I was like, that's wow, ridiculous, that's, that's insane. <laughs>
0: I know. I mean, I sent you the picture. I was like, if only YouTube could be like Facebook, you know, because <laughs> it was every thirty minutes it was going up by a thousand views, uh, and it's only just wow. gone up earlier today. So we'll see what it's like now as the week will go on. Yeah, but uh, mm. and I think as well, I don't know, there might be a chance of it being used as well on TV3 um, for the weather. You know, they do videos in the background for the weather. All oh so,
1: right, I just t- I yeah. wonder what you meant by saying that you were on TV3. Yeah. I was like, for what? Speeding? <laughs> 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 I
0: didn't it today. that actual
1: video is going to be on it.
0: <laughs> no, I actually went very slow now when I was recently down in Kerry and I went over the, to, the, to the Dingle Peninsula. So there was no speeding from my part of view, no, point of view. Cool, yeah. cool.
1: Anyway, but come here, Darren, what, what have we got in store for today, man?
0: Well, you know what, right? I think we've got two interesting topics to talk about. And the first one is something which, you know, it can be broad and it can be very narrow. But it's so, I think, in my opinion, it's such a wide topic that I think there's a number of areas that we can discuss it. It's about faking things in photography. And, you know, there's a number of different things and I've got a couple of little pointers here and I kind of want to throw them at you and to get your thoughts on it. Is, it. is it good to do it? Is it something that people should do? Or is it something that you shouldn't do at all and it's frowned upon? Or is it all right, we could do a small bit of it or whatever it may be? Because there's a number of different things that you can do. So I kind of want to have a discussion about that and I kind of want to see your opinion on them. What you think? Yeah, sounds like a good plan. All right. Well, I suppose, you know, from a photography point of view, at the very beginning... We don't start out with skills. But when you start talking about your abilities, do you ever think that people could exaggerate their skills and what they've done and that they know how to do something just to kind of get them seen or try and get a professional job and be paid for it? So, you know, you're a wedding photographer. You've come across people before that uh, would start out in doing wedding photography and say they're the bee's knees and that they've done X, Y and Z, but they actually haven't. So they're effectively faking it and saying, you know what, I know exactly what I'm doing. I have those skills. I've done that before. Like, that's something that's going to come back and bite you hard in the backside, really, isn't it?
1: Well, Darren, I did it. To get my first uh, wedding photography job, I told the guy that I'd done a wedding already. And, well, there's a wedding photographer that needed a second shooter. And he asked, as anyone here, you know, we were all students and I was like, uh, "Have any of you kind of experience experiencing?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've done a wedding already with a friend of mine, blah blah blah." I didn't. Okay. But he's like, "Oh yeah, I will give me a look at your work, and he will seen it." And then he didn't ask for the wedding photographs. I just told him, showed him what I had there and then. You know, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, can you be here in such and such date and this time?" I was like, "Absolutely no problem." But I was delighted. I lied. <laughs> I got my foot in the door, and that's how I got it.
0: Yeah, but did you not lie there slightly differently? You lied about your experience as opposed yeah. to your skills. So oh, yeah, if okay. you lie about your skills sorry. and you say that you can do something and then you have to go and do it, you don't know what you're doing, so you're going to get cut out. But as you say, with your experience, it lends you to say, I automatically have the skills, really, don't I? Because I've got the experience of <laughs> doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. I Sorry, I misinterpreted uh, the, the
1: question. Um, yeah, I don't think you should really kind of do those things if you don't know what to do. Now, I kind of... Like what I said there a minute ago, yeah, I took a chance and I jumped on it, you know, and I'm sure people take chances every day of the week, but what's to stop someone, stop someone from saying, okay, I can do that when they can't, but then get Mm -hmm. the job, but then brush up on their skills and how to do it. Is that Mm -hmm. a bad thing or not? I I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a fence that I don't know which side I'm on. I'm doing a John Myler here.
0: Like, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Like nothing focuses the mind better than a deadline. So if you turn around and say, I can do that and I've got the skills for it and someone gives you a job to do it. okay, perfect. Do it in two weeks. You've got two weeks to learn the skills and you really have to do it. Otherwise, if you go there and say, you know, oh, I know how to photograph newborns and you can't stand the sound of babies crying, then you're going to be goosed. You're going to have to get some practice in. Now, you may not be able to practice on newborns between saying yes to the job or being able to do the job. But you could certainly practice in other things and play around with your lighting. So you could gain the skills, but you're right because if you didn't lie or exaggerate the truth, you wouldn't have gotten that job in the first place. So there is something within both of those where I think, yeah, okay, I'm kind of on the fence of the two because you have to do that at the beginning, don't you really? You know, somebody won't take somebody else on unless you've got experience. They don't want to be your first client or they don't want you to be their first client, if you know what I mean, or them to be your first client.
1: I think it's better off to be maybe an assistant so to get into a certain set of skills. So if you wanted to get into newborn photography, why don't you contact a f- local kind of newborn photographer, the big hit there. More than likely, they're going to tell you piss off because they don't want you coming in on their business. But if you can mm. find out a friend through a friend or whatever and kind of uh, work through those kind of skills or work through those means and shadow those kind of newborn photographers... I, or else there's the opportunity to do them for free. And that's the way we kind of all kind of get into the game, is you kind of shoot for exposure. So if you wanted to shoot newborn photography, and that's what you kind of have a passion for. Why don't you shoot, photograph your neighbor's baby down the road. She just popped a sprog there last week. You know, just go in and photograph. Just like that. Got a bad mood go. No, And go in and photograph the sprog. And then, you know, you can use that then in your social media. You kind of say, look can I use these in social media in exchange for photographing your baby for free? And mm-hmm. uh, YouTube is the biggest professor that we have. So mm-hmm. you can learn tips and tricks off uh, professor YouTube and kind of put them into effect. But not only that, in order to learn newborn photography or kind of creative techniques, you don't need a baby to do these things. You don't mm-hmm. need a, uh, uh, a baby? You don't need a baby. Just use a can of monster, for instance. Do you know? Position <laughs> the light a in the put a a delight in the position that you would think that would really show off the baby, so to speak. And then mm-hmm. you can use the the a doll. All right, let's let let's get rid of the can of monster. Let's use a doll instead. It's much better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should have said a
1: doll from the start. So you kind of you, you can practice on a doll at home, like you know. There's so many ways to do this, but if you want to get the exposure for it, you have to photograph for free or you have to shadow. You can't, I genuinely, you can't go in and say, I know how to photograph a baby and then get mm-hmm. the job and then go, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't
0: well, know. well, actually, hang on. You could actually say that you know how to do it, but you may not have the skills to actually do it. So, you know, you went to college and I'm sure you had people that you were in college with that were great at theory. But when it came to putting it into practice, they struggled because they need to refer back to their notes. They had the knowledge, but the skill to be able to do it effectively and to pick it up as quick is another level on top of that, is it?
1: Absolutely. One hundred percent. You'd be surprised how many people have a brain for photography. Photography, if you think about it, it's all about maths at the end of the day. And Mm -hmm. if anyone tells you anything different, they're absolutely lying. Now, it's, you have to have the creative eye also. And that's, and they're the people who seem to succeed. Like there was one guy during college and the dude was, ah, oh, brains to burn like, and he could understand the percentage of light and the stops of light and all this. But the dude couldn't take a picture. Mm-hmm. He really <laughs> okay. couldn't like, you know, and you felt bad for him. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I was there going, uh, and I couldn't get the whole percentage of uh, stops of light and I couldn't understand that kind of side of things because, uh, you know, I was obviously only learning, like, and I was there going, I'm, I'm really kind of struggling to see what's the, what's the percentage of aperture from going from one stop to another. How is that one stop? How is that only the third? You know, like, just, just learning, trying to get it. And he was telling me how it worked. And then I was trying to kind of show him the ways on how to take a picture and using the creative eye, like, you know. But he did get better eventually a small bit, but he'd never really succeeded after that. You know, mm. I think the creative eye, I think you're more... I, genuinely, it sounds a like a cliche, but I think you're born with it. You can create it, you can finesse it, and you can promote it. But I think deep down inside, it's like a musician. You know, you either have it or you don't.
0: I agree with you. And, you know, like, that's what got me thinking about those three things, you know. And in photography, like, there's the the, the r- exposure triangle. I was going to say the rule of thirds because of three things, but you only know, got the exposure <laughs> triangle, right? So even on this, like, you can have the knowledge... But without the skill, you can't do it. Or without the experience, you won't get the skill. You know what I mean? So they're kind of all linked together in regards to the three of them. And I think ultimately you have to kind of exaggerate the truth on one of them at least to enable you to get yourself in the door. So to a certain extent, faking it is going to be needed To enable you to be able to get better, get more experience and, you know, learn those skills then as well through the knowledge that you can base as well. So that was the first one that I thought, I suppose, just in regards to getting into photography and being able to put yourself in a position. But then when you actually get the photograph and you take the photograph, it opens up a plethora of things in regards to processing and faking it. Because, you know, some people out there and I remember seeing it on Facebook a couple of years back and it was on these general social hubs, you know, and somebody will post going, can somebody please stop or will somebody ever please put up a photograph that isn't processed? And the amount of photographers that jump on it and go, what are you talking about? Every single photograph, even the one on your phone is processed. There's no such thing as an unprocessed image. You know, okay, you could put up a raw file, but it's not exactly going to be a nice file or a nice image because it's not a true representation. It's all the raw that, but you can't explain that to a lay person. So people then think that processing an image is actually faking the image. But when you start looking at the different types of processing that you can do, I think there's a number of ones there that we can discuss about is it good to fake it or is it a no-no to fake it. So, for example, you know, when you take a standard photograph and you shoot in raw and then you change the white balance, is changing the white balance, is that faking an image or is no. it helping you to match what was there in the first place?
1: Absolutely, it's the second, it's the latter It's trying to match what you saw A true representation of the scene Because like, Sometimes you can, you can select the wrong white balance mm-hmm. We've all done it I shoot an auto white balance A lot of the time, believe it or not Because mm-hmm. I'm lazy And yeah. I know that I can revert to go Sure, I'm shooting auto auto uh, raw anyway So I can just go back and fix it in post Exactly uh, But, ugh, you know Yeah, it's just, you, no, you're not faking it by using that white balance.
0: Okay. How about using the clone stamp?
1: Okay. Right. I have a video going out. It probably won't be next week or the week after. Maybe the week after that. Of Loop Head Sunrise. Okay. Now, I have never gotten a photograph of Loop Head Lighthouse properly. Especially from land. I can never find a composition. I can mm. never get it. And they're going, what am I doing wrong here? Okay, the light's not right. This and that. But when I was there the other morning, I was there for dronal reasons. I was there to get a sunrise shoe. Dro- hang on, what?
0: For, dronal? Is that a new word? No, dronal. it's a dronal. It's, a, it's like a and disease. It's
1: funny, I it? made this up like two weeks ago and I said to Gavin Sheehan up on top of Locker Hill. I was there going, we're going to get in dronal shots. And he kind of looked at me. I was like, did I just make up a new word? He's like, yeah. I was like, good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, we're there for dronal reasons. Yes, okay, go on. To, you were there for dronal reasons, yeah, right? Marking uh, into to, the old Oxford English Dictionary, yeah. <laughs> to get a shot from the
1: sky, obviously, with my drone <laughs> for drone yes, reasons.
0: Sounds painful, yeah, dronal. Mm-hmm. Go on. Uh,
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but then I had to go back to the van to get a battery for the drone because it was dead, because I put in a half empty battery by accident, and I was like, sugar. So, I ran back to the van, and just as I was heading back, I saw this sky just erupt behind mm-hmm. the lighthouse, which was behind me from facing that way all the time. It's like, oh my God, look at that. Beautiful. And I only had my, I had my ESR with me, but I had it on my gimbal. So I laid a gimbal up on the wall and I have this lovely kind of leading line. It's very straight. now, right. It's kind of, a, it's not a brilliant leading line, but it's okay. And you've seen the image and yeah, the sky surely. behind us just amazing. Now, in that picture, there has to be at least six telephone poles and wires. Okay. And they absolutely ruin the image. But I could I couldn't leave them in. I had to remove them for my own aesthetic pleasing. Mm-hmm. I had to get it. I don't I I gotta think of it this way, and I've always shot this way. I don't care. Well, I kind of do, but I kind of don't. I don't care what most people think about my photographs. I'm shooting for myself and my own sense of pride, my own sense of achievement. So if I want to remove those poles, I'm going to remove those poles. And God damn it, I freaking did. I went to bed and took all six of those poles out because they were absolutely horrid in the image. Mm. But am I faking that image? No. Yeah, I am.
0: <laughs> Well, it's interesting you said it because the example I was going to use is very similar to that. It's an image that I took up. It's um, it called Pine Lake, I think it's called, in Connemara. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's just a well-known photograph, I suppose, really. But the water was flat cam, but there's these electrical wires that run right across the center of the whole scene and it ruins the image. Yeah, I heard about and it. And I, I remember when I took the image, I went, oh, man, like, I mean, okay, I'm going to get these out. And I took them out And then I remember when I posted the image, someone said said to me, are the electrical cables gone? Finally, they're gone. I was like, no, well, I took them out. (laughs) But, you know, that's the thing, you see, because, like, people know that they're there and it does ruin an image. And I think there's a number of things that you kind of have to take out. And there's certain images that you have to take certain things out because it will distract or detract from the actual image that you've created. So yours is a very perfect example, similar to one that I was going to say here. But I think on the other side of cloning as well is that, okay, you clone things out but you can also clone things in. And if, you know, people want to create a bit of an extra wall that was missing or whatever it may have been using Content Aware and um, Photoshop, you can do that. And you can, you know, add in more. But now that's the point. Then on the opposite end of it, because we might take something out because it might ruin the image and aesthetically makes the image more pleasing to us. But how about adding things back in? Do you think that that's something that it is faking it? Is it something that you should do? You shouldn't do? It's a no no, is, is it frowned upon, or is it? Oh, yeah, it's okay.
1: It's, it's funny, right? Because, oh, yeah, wait, we, like we've interviewed Alex Sepsko from Luminar. Yeah, really nice dude. And you can add things and you can remove things with that program. You can do it with Photoshop as well. But Luminar has been renowned now for the sky, replacer, sky replacement, you know. Yeah. And I've seen so many bad examples. That I almost get sick in my mouth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know it's horrible because I have done it from time to time also. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if it's done right, I've no problem seeing it. I've no, po- and I'll say, great shot. Well done. Uh, sky was replaced. Good few happy days. And it's a fabulous, fabulous image. Mm-hmm. But then if I don't replace the sky, like I have one shot from Norway, or sorry, mm-hmm. uh, we're not okay, listening to so that. never name talk here on the about that. Yeah. Um, and the sky is so bland, it's so dead, and it's a beautiful foreground, beautiful mid-layer ground, and these epic mountains in the distance. I mean, I'm just drooling looking at the scene. But then there's no sky, there's no clouds, there's no drama there. And I'm like, this is killing me here. I'm in this one spot here, probably for the only time in my life. Hopefully I can get back there again. But let's not beat around the bush. It's probably going to be my only time there in Norway in the La Islands. So I was there going... I don't care. I'm sticking a sky in here in Luminar 4. And man, it's an awesome job. You cannot tell the difference. You, you don't know. You mm-hmm. really don't know. Even Nick Page didn't even know. Mm-hmm. So,
0: you know. And that, but that's the thing, right? And I, that's, I, that was actually the next thing I was going to talk about, which was the sky, because you replaced the sky with your own sky, not a, a stock sky from Luminar. Correct. And I think that's where the difference comes in. Because if you go with the stock sky, every single other person out there that wants to do any of these sky replacements (laughs) can do a stock sky. And actually, I've only ever done it once. I remember we went up to Downpatrick Patrick and, uh, you know, sad story when I lost my filters, but, I remember at the time thinking, she'd be mad if we had a different sky here. I went, hang on, I'll give this numinar four a go. I gave it a go. <laughs> I'd never used it before. I threw in this colorful sky, whatever it was, and I made the whole thing kind of a dreamy effect. And I put it up and I said, you know, just for shits and giggles, this is what I did, blah, 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 blah. And I think it was Fergus Cooper went, oh, yeah, you, know, you use sunset number four. Mm. But because he knew the sky, because the sky is so used so often. That people, you know, yeah. it's kind of been rinsed. But if you're using your own sky and you've got to, you mentioned to me before when we were up in Donegal that day, you went, check out the light over here, hang on, I've got to build up my sky bank. Because exactly that is that if you ever did need something, you've got something unique. And as you said, you, you wouldn't know it. So at that point, you are faking the image, but is it making the image that 10 times damn better? Yeah. It can.
1: It depends on your ability as a post-processor, not a photographer, a post-processor, because they are drastically two different things. Mm-hmm. Most people are good at one thing. It's rare that you get people who are amazing at both things. You have Nick Page, who's freaking one of those guys, mm-hmm. Okay, who's just ridiculously good at post-processing and photography. True story, I, yeah. I like to think I'm a good photographer, but I'm not brilliant at post-processing. I'm okay. I get by. You know, but like, if you can post-process in such a nice way that it's believable that you don't even know that it's done, then I'm all for it. I think it's amazing. But if it's done wrong and it looks so tacky and you people forget to, uh, relight the front, the foreground. So they have this lovely, amazing sunset in the distance. And then there's this mm-hmm. harsh light on the foreground with the light coming from a totally different direction, you know, but look, come, come here. I've done it myself in the early days. So uh, like, they could be learning then as well. And I don't want to discourage someone from doing it because we all have to start somewhere. And, you
0: know... Yeah, yeah. But being subtle is the key. I think that's yeah. the important part. And, like, you know, you say there about, you know, replacing a sky, but how about if you take, like, multiple shots? So you mentioned about Nick Page and how good he is in regards to taking photos and doing the post-processing. Another person, another guest we've had in the podcast, Michael Shane Bloom. And he from his astro point of view, you know, so he'll take an exposure for the foreground, and then he'd take a different set of exposures and multiple exposures for the sky and stack them all together and bang, you get an absolutely banger of an image. Now, if I go up my camera and I just set my camera up for 25 seconds, I'm not going to get exactly the same image as him. So I'm not doing it in, in do it in the camera, get it right in the camera first time. There's a lot of involved that you have to combine multiple shots to be able to get that end image from a, an astro point of view. And I think, you know, without doing that, then you don't really get the banger of the image that we're all so used to seeing because of these advanced techniques that are being used now. So, you know, multiple, uh, combining multiple shots, even from a focus stacking point of view in the landscape, I think is something that I've done quite regularly because the, the foreground subject is just that bit small, but too close. And I want to make sure that I get it um, uh, sharp from front to back. Yeah. And s- yeah. s- similarly, in, in the same scene, you've got time blending. So, you know, you take one photograph when it's daytime, you take another one if you've got waves with a certain movement to the waves, you take another one when the the, 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 the light was setting so the rocks are lit up red, and you take a further one for the sunset sky, and bang, it's all one image, and you get the different movements in different tones. But again, like, that's faking it, because it's not taken in the shot, but it's a beautiful image, and it's things that you have to do, because post-processing is part of the art of photography now.
1: Oh, sure. It's knowledge is power. Genuine, that, knowledge is power. If you have the knowledge, you can go places. If you're lazy and you relaxed a daisy and you just enjoy with what you do, and that's fine. There's no problem with it in any way, shape or form. And you're just a keen amateur photographer. Great, good for you. But it's the guys that put in the extra hours, the extra bit of gras, mm-hmm. you know, that are going to make it and be these kind of people up in these um, pedestals. Like, you look at Bernard Garrity, look at his portfolio. It's amazing. It is. I mean, his pictures are just jaw-dropping. He gets to some of the best spots in the world, and the dude knows how to work his camera. So,
0: Absolutely. And, you know, when you think of it there, right, Like um, Bernard actually mentioned he wanted to go to the US uh, to do storm chasing. Do you see the story mm-hmm. recently that blew up, I think it was Pedipix or something like that. Um, some photographer took a photograph of a supercell and there was three tornadoes coming out of the supercell and there was a house right next to the supercell and he was as if he was right in the middle of the whole thing and immediately put it up and went, yeah, this is my image. And it's like as if he dropped a bomb and just went, there you go, you can discuss. And everybody went nuts and was going, oh my God, it's amazing. And then you get people going, oh, that's fake, man. I've seen that exact same tornado that you're using in the middle there, another image from something else before. And they started to attack him, but he never even responded. He just went, there's an image. He didn't turn around and say if it was real, or if it was fake. It was an image that he posted. But everybody then went to town and going, it's fake, it's this, it's fake, it's that. He's just sitting back potentially looking and kind of going, all right, lads. fair enough. Like, whatever. <laughs> I put up the image <laughs> because I, 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 I like the image and what I made, you know. So, like, is it something now that we're all appealing or it appeals to us because we see this type of image. This is the banger that you're expecting to see. Whereas Joe Bloggs comes along And he takes an ordinary shot, which is still a great shot, but it's not like this fantastic production that this guy has created. So let me ask you this. If somebody puts up an image and it's a clear composite, like you said about bad examples, light is a big one. You know, so you've got light coming from multiple directions in one image. And they don't say that it's a composite. They're saying, oh, I took this shot yesterday. What do you think? That's definitely faking it because you should actually be honest and say, you know what, this is my vision. Um, And I I think moreover, you can get a number of crazy fantasy art images where there's multiple things being put into the image. And as you say, it's the person that makes it that goes that little bit extra and you can't even tell when you look at that image that it was multiple shots. This was from that, this was from this, this was from that. And bang, you get an image that's a banger. Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know what the question is. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Somebody who says that they created something or somebody who is open and honest and saying, you know, oh, it's fake. I made it myself or I it's it's you know Is it right or it wrong? Didn't... Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay, sorry. I just got, I just mesmerized by all this artist and all this. I, got of... <laughs> I was in, in full flow question? now to be fair, like yeah. I like, Where's the question? <laughs> uh is it wrong? Uh, yeah, no, nah. you can argue both sides of it, uh Darren. Uh, look, people have to learn, people have to stick up their work and kind of get tips and tricks and uh, to pro- progress as a photographer and progress as a digital artist or digital mm-hmm. photographer artist. So, yeah, there, look, I just rather not look at very bad examples. And I know that might seem shallow of me, you know, but but I've no problem helping someone. If someone wants to reach out that are trying to learn how to do something, and I'm not going to be the best digital artist to help you out because I'm still learning about all that myself to a certain degree. But
0: like, I'll help anyone out that just wants to reach out and I'll do what I can for them, you know? So, what about if somebody rang you and said, Dermot, I've been shooting Canon for the last 10 years. I'm sick to death. Fair play to you for buying a proper camera. That's I'm what sick, I said. I'm sick to death <laughs> of Canon and I'm thinking of moving to another brand. In the meantime, Nikon have been contacting you and saying, Dermot, we love your work. We'd love for you to try out a camera. And if you every camera that you sell we're going to give you 300 euros. Now mm-hmm. this person says I'm looking to change from Canon. You're loyal to Canon. You are absolutely loyal to Canon. You've got yeah. 300 bucks from every camera. All you got to do to this guy is tell him that the Nikon camera is good and you get 300 bucks. I don't think you do that. I got to buy the, I got to get the camera first
1: and test it out. And if the camera's good, I will tell him it's good. And if it's bad, I'm going to tell him it's bad.
0: So, that's my point. So what about people that fake stuff? They say things are good, but you know back deep down that there's an ulterior motive. Oh, this is the best thing ever. Like, that's pure fake, isn't it? That's, it's
1: just those gammy fecking influencers. That's what the problem is with the world. Like, today, you now, it's like because I was trying to. What, uh, tie up all the loose ends for for the workshop, right, for uh-huh. the Cliffs of Moher. So I was on to the bus driver today to bring us back, you know, from mm-hmm. where we're, we're coming. And, like, he used to run McCann's pub in Doolin for 25 years. Okay. And he's like, he's had everyone in that pub. He's got the Kennedys from America. He's got all these brilliant actors, the Blues Brothers, everyone. And then out of nowhere, he's there going, but you know what? hate these frickin' influencers. Jesus Christ, they drive you fucking mad. They sell you anything, by selling your mother's best pair of
0: knickers. You know, and he's right. He's, <laughs> he's absolutely right. And I think it's bad. Like, you know, we should be, you know, actually, something that made just reminds me of it there, now, I was listening to Mally and the lads on the uh, photography podcast, right, and they were talking about dishonesty. And I think it's actually a big part of it, because you can either be honest and say something is crap, and have your integrity we've had this discussion when we talked about influencers yes, we have. you know but for the sake of saying something is right that's fake as it comes and I really really can't understand it and as you're right you know the guy that runs the pub he's dead right I mean I'd say he must have seen so many different types of examples of that from people over the years that have visited yeah <laughs> I'd say that is a few points for anyway that's for sure anyway Mm, mm. now listen something else we're just going to finish up on the topic of faking it right but something you and i have started to do a lot more of recently is video okay yes and you mentioned it there at the outset in regards to uh, my video in malin or not malin mizzen right um Mm -hmm. and when i put it up on facebook i got a couple of uh, interesting comments and stuff from it but one actually was a quite interesting one which was um the sound of the seagulls where'd you get the sound of the seagulls i'd love the sound of the seagulls how'd you get that where'd you record it And, you know, in fairness, the guy messaged me afterwards. He was like, I said, look, it's fake. I put it in there. I mean, I had the sound of the seagulls. They weren't there. I can't record audio on the drone. like You know what I mean? But I added in because it's sound.
1: Yeah, exactly. But
0: it's it's sound design, you know. So from a video point of view, you add in ambient sound to create a more immersive experience. And, you know, somebody who's driving down the road in a car, they're not necessarily hearing horns beeping all the time. They're adding in the sound of that or subtle movements. You're adding in the swoosh or the crinkle of paper or whatever it may be. Like or the that's box in jar I'm going to give you. Yeah. You know, so you, you're <laughs> adding in more sounds that, okay, they may have been there, but they didn't record them at the time, mm-hmm. but you're making more immersive experience. So is that faking it from a video point of view or is that the magic of the movies?
1: Ugh. It, it's, it is. And it's not, I mean, I just think back to Peter McKinnon's video, right? Uh-huh. Of when he did the, uh, he did the promotional video for OOIA, for um, mm-hmm. Epidemic Sound. Man, yeah. that video was unreal. That dude is unbelievable at sound, di- sound design. That's his job, is to go out and record sounds of things, record sounds of seagulls, people skating across ice. Uh, and then the one thing that stuck in my brain was the fisherman smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. How the hell are you supposed to get the sound of a smoking a cigarette through your video camera? You can't. Mm-hmm. But basically, but what they did is they recorded the dude smoking a fucking cigarette, and you can hear the ambers burning in the sound design of the video. It's just gone as he sucks yeah. in and then blows out, and it's. Fucking epic! When I heard, saw that and heard it, I went, "This is next level stuff." And such a little thing yeah. like that has made my immersiveness in immersiveness. I'm belting out these new words all week. <laughs> you know, it just makes it all come together. And I just, you live in the moment, and what you can see and
0: experience is just amazing. So, fake it all you want. Bring it on. I love it. <laughs> Actually, you know, on that video, I think he said he had 67 independent sounds on stacking going through the, the whole sequence. Oh, sick, sick. Mm. Unreal. Mm. Okay, so look, and the final part there, I suppose, really on this one is video, right? Something we said about the whole, the magic of the movies, right? All the movies that we watch right now, they're all fake. Liar. So, <laughs> like, it's, yeah, ra- it's but that's the point. Like yeah. it, just, it here's a bit of a reality, like, you know, a reality check. I mean, what you are listening to or watching is fake and it's being CGI. produced. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's not even there. So, like, f- fakeness in video is there and has been for a long period of time but I think overall you know that's quite an interesting topic from my point of view and I actually did enjoy you know your views I suppose on each of those topics Uh, you know Mm. so what is it is it good to be fake in photography is it a no-no is it ah, it's okay to do one or two things Let's stay on the fence and say it's
1: 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. My nuts right. are hurting me from sitting on this fence. Help me down to one side, please.
0: <laughs> all right, and on that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by 0 Tree, As a company with an international reputation for quality and customer care that they are told is second to none. They fully understand their obligation to you the customer each suit is manufactured to an established procedure that they have developed and evolved over the years with their experienced dedicated team o3 has grown into the respected dry suit and wetsuit manufacturer and is an established market leader putting quality neoprene innovation and service at the very core of everything they do from the very beginning it was their strong belief that O3 would be about exceptional quality and customer care. Simple really and still their main aim. Portland is a limestone tide island on the Dorset coast in the United Kingdom and is the home of O3 Limited. They are surrounded by water and the Jurassic coast. There are not many places that have a more diverse geology above and below the water. It is this harsh environment that has shaped Portland and has the major influence on the way they design and build their suits. O3, come in from the cold.
0: And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. And Dermot, the second topic today now is we've done the fake it, now it's down to break it. What do you think I mean by that one? Ah, oh, well, I just broke my nuts from sitting on the
1: shelf or the shelf on the on the fence from the last topic. It's so been a pretty small shelf. Hopefully, hopefully we're not going to break anymore. Um, huh. Break it. Yeah. So break it. Breaking things. It would lead me to believe that you go out of the norm. You go a different way or, you know, that you're not supposed to. Maybe mm-hmm. you are supposed to. I don't know.
0: Okay, you know, rules, basically, in photography. And, you know, there are rules in photography, and some people stick by them. Uh, and what got me thinking of this one, actually, is I asked a question on uh, with Greg Snell's group, and there was great interaction in regards to it. But the general consensus was, you know, rules of composition, yeah, okay, you should break them. Um, because they should be a guide, but you shouldn't follow them as a, a major thing. And it got me thinking, what other rules are there in photography that we could look at and say, is it okay to break them? And does not make much of a difference? You know, so, for example, like in composition, okay, rule of thirds possessing the, 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 on the cross lines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? How about mm-hmm. the one where you say you should always fill the frame? Like, that's definitely something I think that should be broken quite often because a minimalist shot is actually filling the frame with nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. Very... Um actually genuinely don't know how to
0: answer that one because you were right. <laughs> yeah? I've <I'm> actually <laughs> lost for words. Like, and again, they think, oh, you know what? Like, and You see these people that would look at photographs and they'd be hypercritical of the image going, oh, I should have filled the frame. You should have taken another foot in forward. Okay. That's fine, depending on that, that subject. But there are situations too where you shouldn't fill the frame because you just want to make sure that you've got that void and that there's no other distractions and that you see what you want to see or you want the audience to see who's looking at the image not the entire frame. So I think that definitely one to start off the bat. I think that can be broken. And one then, the second one is on a portraiture point of view, and I'm not qualified in any way, shape or form to talk about portraiture or anything like that, but maybe you are. And the rule is that you should never cut off limbs. Is that something that you think, okay, absolutely, you should never cut off limbs because it's never going to work? Or is that a rule that can be broken too? I try not to cut off
1: limbs. Okay. But you have to understand where where to stop and where to start. Like, obviously, if we're doing a waist-up kind of portrait, like how far down do you go? Do you go from the hip? Do you go from the thigh? Do you go from the knee? But one big no-no is you don't crop off fingers. Anyway, that's, that's, that's a given. Yeah. You know, how are you supposed to pick your nose from then onwards? Yeah, So absolutely,
0: yeah. But, oh, but if you've if you got it, it's an intentional thing, you know, so for argument's sake, Somebody standing with their arms spread out wide, and their arms are leaving the actual size of the canvas. Uh, and you want no, the focus the, to be on the body. Then you're intending to do that to cut off the limbs from it. No, I, I would
1: like if you wanted the arms out fully, I would include the whole arms in the frame. I wouldn't okay. cut them off. Okay, but that, that, that was
0: just. I think, I think everyone deep down would know that. Okay. So, how about if you want to take a headshot of somebody and you wanted to make like an album, an album cover? And you're only going from the mouth across the back of the head and, and upwards, so all you have is what? the top. All you have, <laughs> is the, all you have, is a side profile of a face or a front-on profile. Oh, of face. side. All right, okay,
1: all right, okay. whichever,
0: like yeah. And all you're doing there is you're showing from the top lip up to the top of the head. You're cutting off what towards of the head there, yeah. But isn't that then considered being artistic and? It is. And is it is it intentional? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. Like, I think it's okay to break that rule if it's intentional. But if but you then, do it by accident. But then, but, but then right,
1: if you had f- i like, I'm looking at you right now on Zoom, right? So if mm-hmm. I look at you now and you have beautiful eyes and I'm staring directly into my- them and we've got to top of your lip up to your near bald head, Yes. okay? But then your two eyes are on the intersecting points in the rule of thirds. So am I still breaking the rules or am I using my artistic kind of grid
0: ratios and the
1: intersecting points of your
0: beautiful eyes. Well, I'm the one that's actually composing the image here, not you, so it's probably me that that's to, because I'm deciding where I'm going to sit <laughs> after not you. <laughs> 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 but no, I think, look, you get me. I do. Absolutely. I do. And, you know, and even looking at that, like even the compositional point of view, if you're looking at, say, filming or even images, there are certain ones that you shouldn't break. Like if you want somebody on the left hand side of of the image looking across over to the right, then you don't have them facing out of the frame. You know, you kind of have them facing into the frame. So it leads you in to see what they're looking at. So there's certain ones there. Yeah. There's certain ones there. I think that, okay, you you can't break those ones because you have to have somebody positioned aesthetically. And also as well that the person who's viewing it won't go, they're looking off the image while they're looking at it. And they're missing everything else on the left-hand side because you can naturally follow that, yeah? Uh, Yeah, yeah.
1: It is a different kind of world, especially, and I I think from photography to video, uh, on compositional point of views is totally different as well. Mm. Like when you go from, oh, Like, when I did a video course, a night video course, I was perplexed by some of the things that was kind of acceptable in the video world compared to photography. Like, they do their super close-ups for video. Like, you know, they're literally cropping off the tops of people's heads, and it's acceptable. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, oh my God, how dare they? Mm -hmm. What are you thinking like? But I've seen this a hundred times before, but I've never thought about it Mm -hmm. from watching TV programs. And it wasn't until I actually studied a bit of video and video work and watching TV programs and seeing they actually do it. And I never realized it the whole time as they're going, oh, my God, how dare they? But mm-hmm. now I'm in, the, I'm in the mindset, this is actually working from a compositional point of view. So now I kind of understand it. At first, I was there going, this is ridiculous. They don't know what they're doing to,
0: OK, they have a point of view and this is what they're, this is the way they're trying to work it. But did that only, only work because you did the night course? What happens if you did the one for the day? Would that have been different? <laughs> oh, totally different. Totally different. Yeah. Spe- speaking of the day, uh, another rule is that you should never take landscape photography photographs during horse the day. Horseshit. Horseshit. Absolute horse shit. Sorry, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can get s-
1: some amazing photographs during the day. I actually prefer to do my time lapses during the day because I can control the light far, far more better, okay? You're going to get a change of light during the daytime, and then it's just that much easier because you have consistent light. But uh, I don't know. I just... Shooting during the daytime is fine. It genuinely really is. You're going to get... You can play with your harsh shadows and um, hard light, you know? Like, even from Tree Castle Head... The light was ridiculously flat. But when you got your drone up, you had these patches of light in the distance over here that were going to make your image that much better.
0: Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose, you know, from that point of view as well, landscape, they say you should, you know, always have your horizon line straight. And there are people that are oh, so yeah. anal about this. And the first Me. thing that they see and they go, oh, fix your horizon there, it's point one of a degree off or it's 1 degree off. I gave and out you today. You did, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you know, but... How about Instagram? Like, Instagram now is becoming one of the largest photography um, platforms in the globe. And the amount of people that are putting up images there, which are intentionally at an angle. Because it's cool, because it's hip, because it's trendy. And it's not the norm that you would see. So, you know, that's acceptable within Instagram right now. Okay, is it acceptable for a landscape point of view? Maybe not. But how about in general? If you want to create a party atmosphere, you turn your camera sideways, bang. You're, it's no longer straight on. It's that You can kind of feel a bit of action in regards to it. So it adds a bit of life to the image if there's people that are doing a selfie or whatever. And you see people that are doing selfies, a group of guys, group of girls that are out, not anymore, obviously, because of COVID. But, you know, in the past, and all of a sudden, they're all coming in, bunching in together, out comes the phone. The phone isn't straight. The phone is at an angle. And that works perfectly then for mm-hmm. the likes of Instagram because that's more dynamic. So I think that's a rule that it just depends on what you're shooting. depends on what you're shooting for. But in landscape, absolutely, I think the horizon should always uh, be straight. Oh, I mean, like, the, what, what that's called is called a Dutch tilt or Dutch angle, right, is
1: what it's described as if you were to tilt the horizon line to a certain degree. Me, I I, I, I am one of those guys that is anal. I am totally admit it. I hate it. it dry, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Like, I went in to judge a few competitions there in the last two years, right, as a job judge, obviously, and like when I <laughs> as a team maker, <laughs> as tea maker. but when I see the horizon line not straight, I just push that image to the side. I just, I, I mean, like, come on, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it could be lovely images, and then I see that horizon line, and it's got ah oh, man. I mean, like, I know it's me probably being petty about it even myself in my own wedding photos, like when I got married about two years ago, uh, it's coming up next week, actually my wedding anniversary is coming up. Um, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Don't tell Trish. Um, but no, it was like the dude was amazing. His exposure was spot on. He captured so much emotion in a lot of the photographs. I mean, the dude did an amazing job from start to finish, but me, but me being so anal about horizon lines, like when we went out for our photographs outside on our location shoot, the horizon line was tilted in some of them, but that's not his fault. He's not exactly a landscape photographer. He doesn't take take these things into mind. I'm sure he tries to straighten them while, he's, I, while in camera. Like I'm, I'm not sure he does it uh, on purpose to untilt them. But I had to go in and I put him into Lightroom and I just... Fix the tilt ever so slightly, because if I'm looking at my wedding album in two or three years time and I see a tilted horizon, I'll lose the plot, you know? So I just went in, just uh, finessed it in post, fixed the horizon line and out you go and get. And now, truth be known, I still, we haven't even done the wedding album. Two years married and we still haven't done it. Like, But um, yeah, I've started it, but I haven't done it. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, it's interesting you say it there about Casper and his lighting was perfect, right? Another rule is that it's, you know, not about composition, it's all about the light. And you have to have the right light to make the best image. But let me throw this to you. If you get an image with the wrong light or you misread the light or you expose wrong for the light, but you still get a beautiful image because of that mess up, then are you getting lucky or are you actually doing it on purpose? Uh, to by you know r- breaking the rule in regards to saying that it is about the right light and making sure the subject is lit correctly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Okay, if I did it by accident, I'm gonna go. Yeah, did that totally on purpose. I meant faking to do it. that. Yeah, back yeah. to topic one. Yeah, back to topic <laughs> one. Yeah, I'm faking it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, if Fake I it till do, you break it. Uh, do you know, if I do something by accident, I'm not gonna say anything there and then because you're at a wedding. You're taking an image, you're not going to go, oh my God, I did that by accident. You know, mm-hmm. you're just going to say that and you're going to go, oh, wow, that is freaking awesome. That is wicked. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. you're going to try and fix what you wanted to envision in the first place.
0: <laughs> okay. And another one actually, and you've done this in college, I haven't done it, but, you know, is the, uh, the color wheel theory. Oh, yeah. Live by it. Love it. Yeah. So is that a rule that you cannot break? You will not break it subconsciously yourself. Okay, but they say red and green should never be seen, but red and green that's are ju- opposite on the colour wheel. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's just a, yeah, but there you that's go. a stupid wise tale. Red and green should never be seen. I, I, I An ex-girlfriend of mine said that to me, and I nearly slapped her in the mouth. Broke up with her. What about orange? <laughs> what about orange? What are you talking about? <laughs> but no, red and green are total opposites on the colour chart. I mean, like, you look at purple and yellow... Orange and blue, they're all things that just contrast each other and make the other one complementary. They don't blend in naturally, so they stand out. They're very contrasty. And I love using the colour wheel. I'm telling you, it's just once you understand it and use it to your advantage, you'll start
0: realising going,
1: ah, yeah, kind of like this, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay,
0: okay, so you think that's one that shouldn't be broken? Oh, correct, Yeah. I don't, like you
1: won't, you won't break it subconsciously. I promise you, like you won't, you won't break it and you don't even know you're doing it.
0: I think that there will be definitely situations that you would have broken it. Again, it might've been by accident, but it could also be by intention and you will bring out something within an image that goes against all the rules of what it should be and how it should be lined up because it all depends again, if it's how it is appealing to the viewer. You'll get sick in your mouth if you
1: mix the wrong colours. <laughs> sick in your mouth and stab me a knife with a pencil. <laughs> or viral. <laughs> viral, viral. Genuinely, <laughs> so you will we- see, if you see a colour scheme that you're taking a photograph, just uh, they say in a portrait workshop or, or a portrait session with a model and she's wearing they, some beautiful clothes, right? Uh, uh-huh. Looking, so that if they're black and white, they look nice. But if you turn them to colour and you they are absolutely disgusting, the colours, you'll tell her to change her outfit. You know, it's just... <laughs> You know, you'll, or just go home. Go home. Go home. Don't come out the door. Why don't you go out dressed like that in the first place? Do you not so know the colour wheel? I mean, like you want, think of it this way, right? You wake up in the morning and you subconsciously dress yourself with the colour theory some bit in mind.
0: You really do. You just don't know it. So if it's like you, for example, you've got a choice of blue or orange, then you're always fine. I'm wearing blue and orange right now. There you go. That's my point. Yeah. So you're just doing it subconsciously because they're your two favorite colors, obviously. blue super uh, underneath the pecking order of orange by a long shot. But yeah.
1: Let's say, think of it this way. You wear navy tracksuit pants, which you will probably never wear tracksuit pants anyway, but just say you did navy tracksuit pants. You're not going to wear a black jumper as well. Are you?
0: Mm, I wouldn't think so, no. Would you wear a green t-shirt?
1: With what color pants. Navy pants. I could, you could. They'll complement each other. Black complements okay, nearly everything, but it doesn't complement uh, dark blue or uh, black. Black and black? Black and black can work.
0: Okay, and all white? That can with work. a bit of red, with a bit like of red thrown f- in? you look a feckin' idiot if you wear white and white. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a, well, hang on. If you look at the, the running of the bulls in Pampelona, you know, everybody's dressed in white and they've got a red scarf on them. So, you know, guys who play cricket, they all dress in white.
1: Yeah, they look like Kays idiots.
0: Play. My, my, exa- play.
1: My, my example, perfect, you just lined it up for me. I mean, out of
0: the park, you play cricket, you're an idiot. Or Leeds United, all white. Uh, or England, for that matter, all white. <laughs> what about the All Blacks, all black? Yeah, but they're cool. Okay, okay. And you know, something else as well, right? And you know, something that was... You've made this mistake, I think you definitely have. I never make mistakes, Darren. How dare you wash your mouth out of it? Yeah, you're faking it. Yeah, sorry, I'm perfect. But, um, (laughs) you know, the rule that they say you should always shoot in raw, always shoot in raw, you should never shoot in JPEG.
1: Not necessarily, think of that. I don't don't exactly
0: raw, I shoot in JPEG
1: for certain situations. I, my grotto. I'll shoot in a JPEG because I don't want the, the build up. I have all my settings dialed in exactly how I want them, all my lighting and everything doesn't, nothing changes. Nothing mm-hmm. changes. From the, the end of November the people. till the 24th of December, not a single setting will change. Not the aperture, not the lighting. And shutter speed, everything stays the same. Just like you said, the people change. That's all that changes. And I shoot in JPEG. If I'm shooting wedding, I'm shooting raw. If I'm photographing the great Limerick run for, like I work for uh, a company from Atlanta, Georgia, and I shoot uh, marathons sometimes, and I will shoot in JPEG because I don't want the up of my card. And it's just one, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You
0: know? Yeah, and if you remember back in regards to some of the previous guests as well, if they're doing sports like that, they want to get a small file that they can email yeah. immediately afterwards. So that it's already pre-processed. It's been done right, and you don't have to go off and process it and convert it from a RAW back into it again. So, yeah, I yep. think there are times when you can shoot in JPEG. Oh, what about oh, you?
1: oh. And if you shoot in JPEG, right, and if you're a shutter, uh, like, your Canon 5D will shoot five frames per second, your Canon 1DX will shoot 16 frames per second. If you shoot in JPEG, you get a faster frame rate than in RAW.
0: Because you're- Yeah, because uh, it's less file size to buffer. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose another one then as well, right? And it's just a general overall view, I suppose, about things to break. And it's not just about rules, but it's break the norm. You kind of said it earlier on, you know? Um, if everybody does exactly the same thing, then we'd all get exactly the same output. So I think it's good to kind of break away and don't be the same. Don't be the sheep. Be different. Break out, you know, create your own opportunities, create your own style, because otherwise everybody does exactly the same thing. So, you know, just because one photographer went to a place and all of a sudden they got a banger of a shot and that becomes the honeypot, you shouldn't really go there and go exactly the same spot and, you know, go into the same tripod holes And take exactly the same shot. You should find your own. You should break away from the norm, I think. And that's something that, you know, yeah, go take the honeypot shot, fine. But still go find something yourself, yeah? I agree. But it's getting so much
1: harder because photography has become so popular and so affordable now that it's hard to be original. And because, think of it like photography has been around a long time now, so the amount of people that have done photography for so long... And so many new people are coming on the scenes. It is hard to be original and be outside your comfort zone to do something different. But take this for example. So, I was on Facebook just needlessly scrolling or scrolling, wasting my day, and then this video came up. She, uh, she streaked at the Champions League final, and I went, oh, woman streaking! What's this?" <laughs> so I went to yeah, look. Of course, this. Click. So, so this guy, right, Vitali. I don't know, he's some prankster dude. Uh, He's supposed to be world-renowned for pranking and kind of streaking in the middle of big high-profile events like the World Cup Finals, uh, the NBA Finals back in 2016. So he was actually on the booklet to be watched out for. He's banned from every stadium in the world. This dude, Mm -hmm. right? So to get it, and he said he wants exposure. And for an advertisement and the Champions League final, cost 4 million euros to get an advertisement, right? 4 million. So he's like, you can get free advertisement if you just get outside our comfort zone and do your own thing. Just go out there and grab it. Everything in the world is free is what he was saying. So mm -hmm. his girlfriend, which was, who is beautiful, by the way, decided, right, he can't streak because he's been watched at every freaking angle. He can't even get into the stadium, but his girlfriend can. So his girlfriend wore this skimpy little swimsuit that says Vitali exposed, and she hmm. streaked the Champions League final with Liverpool playing. I don't know when it was. I suppose it was last year, was it or something? I don't know. And oh. uh, yeah, the, uh, she ran onto the pitch, and everyone was just staring at her. And man, ah, her boobs had nearly fallen out of the top and out. And even the security guard was coming in to tackle her. He had a big smile <laughs> on his face and Everton But she said herself, it was so worth doing. Like she got a lot of hate and a lot of congratulations, but like she wasn't really anyone on Instagram. And all of a sudden she's got 2.6 million followers on Instagram. And now she's actually building a career because of this, because she went outside of her comfort zone and did something different. So
0: Mm. there you go. Here's, here's another one uh, that I was thinking around. I think about these things to break, right? And it's something that a lot of people say. You're also one of them. You're quite a big proponent of saying, get out of auto, get into manual, learn the yeah. camera, learn the controls, take control of your image. You should be, should be in control, et cetera, et cetera. And I would agree with that ordinarily. But there are times when it's good to get into aperture or when it's good to get into time hmm. because you've got one less thing to be able to think about. And if you want to be able to get a shot quick you say, OK, bang, you know, I want to take my photograph. I'm going to put it into this mode. And I know one example that I used is when I was back in the States a couple of years back and I wanted to take photographs out on a floating pontoon. And okay. if I, every time I stepped in the floating pontoon, it created ripples going across the water. Oh, so I, I put, remember. Yeah, so I put the tripod out there. I put, I put the camera on the tripod. And because it was sunrise, the light was going to be changing. So I said, OK, I'm going to put it on aperture because that's going to help me. To be able to control the light that's coming through there rather than me having to go it every single time and adjust it as the light would have changed. Yeah.
1: Well, first and foremost, right? You use that under the understanding of how to use manual and what things do for your camera. The problem yeah. is there, what you're trying to allude to is people who get stuck in auto modes and then don't understand how to manipulate images by using certain modes in your camera. AKA manual mode and understanding mm-hmm. the exposure triangle and how they worked. You use that to your advantage. And it was very, very clever, you know? So that's... That, yeah, that's but I mean, there, there, is, it, there is maybe.
0: a time to, to, to get out of manual, you know? And like, and then the other side of it as well is that, you know, the perfectly uh, photographed image, I said earlier on, there times when we might use focus stacking because we want to get it sharp from front to back. But how about blurry images? Are blurry images a no-no? It's definitely never, ever is ever going to be a good image if it's blurred.
1: Portraits you can get about blurry images, especially for bokeh. Your background is blurry. Your foreground is blurry. Although, in fairness now, I used a, a photograph. I put it up on Instagram today, as of today. And my foreground is soft in a landscape image. But I think it suited the image more than the fact the foreground was melting away. And then it starts to get sharp as you go along. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's up to the eye of uh, the shooter and whether it's aesthetically pleasing or not. And I think you can argue both sides, but at the end of the day, if you're a landscape photographer, you're tending on trying to get a lot sharp and a lot in focus. Hence why a lot of us do focus stacking. Mm -hmm. So, but there is times to break the rules. And I did, I didn't break it on purpose. I did it by accident. (laughs) (laughs) be known. Newsflash, newsflash. I thought the image worked well then as they're going, Okay, I actually have this image with all of it sharp. I don't like it, but I have this image with part of it soft.
0: So mm-hmm. I like this and one. Yeah. And, and and again, the part that's sharp is where you want the eye to go to. Now, if you have an image where you want the eye to go to and the point of interest is blurred, then I think yes, it's a no-no. But oh, yeah, it can also yeah. depend on what you're taking as well, because if somebody is moving it can keep the movement within the image as well. And, you know, you look at uh, a panning shot of a car driving as an example. The car is bang on sharp, but you got the blur in the background, which is creating that motion within the image. Yeah. But if you took that photograph and the car wasn't sharp, then that's a definite no-no for me. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. All right. I agree with you. Uh, and, and the last one that I had, which you already alluded to it earlier on, which is, you know, the other rule is never shoot not auto-white balance. Get out of auto-white balance, you know, Ugh. learn it and do the different... Forget it. You're shooting in raw. You can do it all later in post. It becomes a null, null and void point, as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's definitely one that... Again, it's one less thing to think about, you know, yeah. but then you, you get the purists that are shooting in astro at night and they're going, oh, get into tungsten. Okay, why? Now, d- d-
1: like, I would... Try to shoot on a manual white balance at night just because I know what I'm getting on the back of the camera, right? I, I would kind of put it towards tungsten, you know, kind of very cool in effect because that's the true representation that I'm going to be looking at. When I'm shooting at night, I don't like to look at a warm image, but it, there's, there's nothing to say that you can't. But there's two instances where I will not shoot an auto white balance. One is for my time lapses. I have to have that dialed in cuz I can't mm-hmm. afford to have that changing in the middle of it. Okay? And then secondly in video. You have to have that dialed in cuz there's nothing worse than looking at a piece of video where it's cool over here, nice white balance and all of a sudden you move over here and next minute everything's orange. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. I think I think there're the only two reasons when I would choose not auto white balance.
0: Yeah. But, you know, even here, like on these different rules that I've outlined, and I'm sure there's many more as well. It's just a sample of them, you know, like there are certain ones that you say, OK, you can get away with or you should never kind of live by that rule. You should always find your own niche or find your own mark and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was doing the research on this, I came across one phrase and I'll give you this phrase and you allude to it as well earlier on when you were talking about well, how people learn and stuff like that. Right. Is that there are no rules in photography. Just physics. And that's the reality, I think, of it. Because, you know, your interpretation is your interpretation. But how to take a photograph, you can't interpret that.
1: Yeah. Aesthetically pleasing. It's the eye of the beholder. It's the guy behind the camera that's going to take the picture for you. But the world is filled with ones and zeros. It's like the matrix.
0: So, David, thanks for the interesting chat. I think on those two uh, quite, I think, good topics. Uh, You know, so fake it or break it. So, yeah. I've been Darren. You've been Dermot. Thanks so many for listening. And, uh, you know, if you want to continue the conversation, jump over onto the Facebook page. Just search for the Irish Photography Podcast. You'll pop up in the groups. I'll ask you a name of a host. Enter myself or Dermot or any one of our previous guests, and we we'll would be more than happy to bring you into the group. And if you're an Instagram person, uh, tag your photographs on the Irish Photography Podcast every Friday. We do our Friday feature, and we'll feature your images uh, throughout the podcast. Um, the, the, the stories on the Instagram so yeah thanks very much and uh, until the next time from me and Cork anyway strong the fun
1: hey guys if you dig what you're hearing why don't you jump over to iTunes Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts give us a five star rating and don't forget to share with your friends with all that done we'll see you next week and remember keep shooting